Death metal is like. Okay. Black metal is like. Hello and welcome to the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. We are joined here today on a return to winter mm-hmm. from a, a false spring with none other than the magnanimous, incredible, the flexible... And of course, I am from That's gonna really pay off when we have anybody else on the pod. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? How you doing on this? Uh, doing this okay. Frozen day. Yeah. The return to the return to winter did not treat you well. Yeah, I mean, this was supposed to be your week to shine. Mm-hmm. You had a whole week off. You took it off for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your birthday. We watched some movies. And uh, you, you know, then the then the world froze over, and here we are. Yeah, here, we're on a. This is an interesting episode. This is episode one eighty, and we are embarking on something we haven't tried to do in a long time, and that is an episode with absolutely zero topics ready. Yeah, we're just. We're just flying by the seat of our pants as professional podcasters. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it for a specific reason. It's not because I took a nap today and failed to prepare a show. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm going to lift fan favorite Ian Dixon out of the out of the fog, and I'm going to bring him some vivacious life to, to, his, to his life, mm. I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Wow, this this Scott cast kind of feels different. It feels more casual. It feels more real, raw, and esoteric. It's for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Where to start? Well, first off, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. Because you know my phobias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it a lobophobia or lupus phobia. Mm-hmm. Lupophobe. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. The only thing that can scare me in this world, that can get me shit in my pants, is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. The wolf man. I'm not drinking today. But if you came in here while I was drinking, you, you, you almost got yourself a face full of lead, buddy. Because <laughs> you're, you're wearing a hoodie that's basically, basically worshipping the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you're a denizen of the werewolf's entire religion. You're, you're a follower. You know? Yeah. I have expected you to sacrifice me. Halfway through this podcast, are you going to try that? I'm going to try that shit. Is that why you've been? Is that brain fog because there's been a full moon lately? Has there been? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep track of that as uh, often as I should. Maybe I don't know. It's possible. But yeah, the band is called Olver. Mm-hmm. And just to just to check that it was a real band before we started podcasting, I put on some Olver to see if you were lying about that. But you weren't. It turns out it's a real band. It's like a death metal band. Where is it from? They were uh, one of the OG Norwegian black metal dudes. Are they the people who killed each other? No. No? Not that one. Okay. Or that other one. Okay. (laughs) That's that's what I always think of when I think of Mm -hmm. them Norwegians. Yeah. Same scene, but a little uh, less with the murdery. They were friendly. Yeah. Somewhere. Okay. I liked actually their music mm-hmm. when we put it on. It's good driving music. Yeah. You know, very forward and fast. It's death metal. Black metal. Black metal. What's the difference? Death metal is like. Okay. Black metal is like. Okay. Someone put that on the Wikipedia. So that's cool. I mean, I guess like the one thing that we did find this week when it comes to uh, current events current events was a priest came out and said he had a near-death experience mm-hmm. in 2016. And he didn't go to heaven. He didn't see heaven. Yeah. He must have been one of the touchy priests. <laughs> must have been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but he went to hell Mm -hmm. and he saw exactly what hell was all about he saw two things notably i think from the article right Mm -hmm. the first thing was a, a man with with eyes bulging out of his head covered in chains walking like a dog with a demon uh, yanking on the chains and he saw a chorus of demons singing Rihanna's umbrella Ella Ella e e mm-hmm. e e under my umbrella when the sun shines we shine together <laughs> and apparently that was the worst thing in his <laughs> <laughs> and his thoughts on uh, on hell and his experience in hell was is that mm-hmm. is that how you conceive of hell? Is a lot of Rihanna? No, it wouldn't be enjoyable, but it wouldn't be torture. I don't think. I could think of worse artists to have playing. I mean, I don't know because like you hear the people who worked in retail. Yeah. And the top 40 was playing all the time. Yeah. And they grew to hate every single song. True. Because they're listening to it for eight hours a day, I mean, standing on their feet. I guess repetition will do that with almost anything. I mean, it was 2016 and he was singing, the demons were singing Umbrella. Yeah. Umbrella had been out at that point for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, Rihanna had other songs in her repertoire. She had Bitch Better Have My Money Out by then. Mm-hmm. That's a way better song than Umbrella. It's cooler, at least. Yeah. And more demonic, I would think. So, maybe just the irony. But, yeah. Something lacking in that description, Mm -hmm. though, that I find suspicious. Yeah. Is he went to hell. He's in this lake of torment. He's seeing all these things. He's taking notes. But he doesn't say anything about how it feels. Yeah. Interesting, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be warm... Uh, if it was like a traditional hellscape, yeah, I would. I imagine it's, I mean, it's, it sounds, I mean, he's a priestly man. He said, he didn't say it was like different. He just said it was like, uh, he mentioned the torture and stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. it's, it seems a little hellraisery mixed with, you know, retail drudgery. But uh, seemed kind of naive to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can't think of better torture than this in your state of dying priest. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. What what would you imagine hell would be like if you could like craft a hell for yourself? Where would you be afraid to go for eternity? I don't think it would be so much a place or like a physical uh, torture mm-hmm. as much as like, I feel like psychological torture is kind of the worst thing you can do. Okay. So it would be like reliving my failures or something like that just over and over. Be more of a Dickens type ghost of christmas past but just that one but just <laughs> just that one <laughs> but i don't know maybe some people don't have shame about that stuff and it would have to be being dog walked by a demon and listening to rihanna like i could see hell being very personalized to to each person some some folks like being uh collared and, and it's true directed around and some people like rihanna <laughs> you know that's probably that's usually probably went to someone else's heaven accidentally <laughs> yeah, exactly there was a clerical error <laughs> and that's why they brought him back from his heart attack so yeah i don't know man uh what would hell be like for me i think hell would be like like i check my downloads for scott cast and it's zero <laughs> just all the time <laughs> That would be my personal hell. Mm-hmm. At the end of every podcast session, I'd like, it's always that feeling of elation that I just completed the greatest podcast in the world. And there's no better podcast that could ever have been recorded. And then like, I, I mix it and I put it in the, put it in the queue to be uploaded and I upload it and I wake up in the morning and I, and I look at my downloads and it's zero. <laughs> Nobody listens to me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? It's that, it's that just podcast wise. I don't care if anybody listens to me as like a human, but if people don't listen to me as entertainment, man, that would hit, that would hit me in the feels. Yeah. Right. Email back in if you're listening, please God. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Physical torture, I think would do me good. Yeah. Not like in a, not like, you know, make me feel better, but I think, uh, if, if there was a hell, 
and physical torture was on the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that would work for me for torture. Yeah, I mean, I don't like feeling uncomfortable. I suppose, but like, you have some sort of corporeal form, then that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess just the nerves. That's all you need. I guess, but that still like takes up a physical space. Hell is a physical space. I think of it more as like a a spiritual plane where there wouldn't be all that. Okay. But I also don't believe in hell, so (laughs) whatever. Yeah, who are you to talk about this? (laughs) Hell is here on earth, fellas. It's uh it's in the streets you walk. It's in the it's in the people you ignore. It's in the it's in all the all the pain and misery that that just continues and goes on, mm-hmm. you know. Have you read uh, No Exit? No. What's that? Mm. It's uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. 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 <laughs> however you say his name. That's how you do it. Um, but it's uh, like a short play, and it's all these people that are in a room, and they're like, uh, they don't know how they got there, and uh, they're trying to f- sort of figure it out, and they're all just insufferable people. Right. And uh turns out they're in hell, and they're, their like punishment is to to be together in this space to be with insufferable people <laughs> hell is other people was kind of the, the takeaway yeah oh, okay is that where that phrase comes from yeah uh, okay so i could see that also like working yeah for you for particular yeah <laughs> <laughs> certainly some people you could put me in a room with and i would Pray for death, and it's like it just had one big long podcast with yeah. David. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, like you, you're you're dying, and like the last thing you see is Bronwyn like crying over your body, and you fading away, and, and like there's this long, drawn out period of darkness, and there's a voice in the distance, and and the lights start to come on, and the lights are blue lights, and you finally hear something that's clear. And the dread just fills your body because what you hear is welcome to one life to lift. <laughs> Joining me is my co-host Ian Dixon. <laughs> Today we're doing a marathon pod. <laughs> David's always a good sport. I asked him if he was going to, if he could uh, make it today mm-hmm. just last second Yeah, because we need content mm-hmm. and uh, he couldn't make it today. He was, he apparently he's got plans with Cade and his girlfriend, which is an odd mix Cade's girlfriend? Cade has a girlfriend. Okay. Which is an odd mix to mm-hmm. me, considering, you know, what we know about Cade and... You oily bitch! Mm-hmm. So, that's a, little, that's a little too much information, Dave. <laughs> you could just say I'm busy. You're gonna have to talk about what a single man does with his roommate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jane, my D! I mean, I, it wouldn't be hell for me to be with David. I, I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. I would I, I, if like that was my little purgatory. Is that like I'm on a podcast with David, and that's how I that's how my eternity spent. I'd be like, okay, it's chill. Yeah. At least I have a conversationalist uh, to hang out with for a while. You know. Right. So that's nice. I have a little bit of company. I don't think. Uh, I don't think eternal company is so bad. But yeah, some people are insufferable. I had this uh, experience in Argentina. It was my birthday. And uh, we went to eat dinner mm-hmm. with uh, a guy named Rafa and Julia was there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The conversation got brought up like, uh, what do you do when they pour the wine? And then like they give you like a little bit of the wine and they give you a glass and, and you and you have to swirl it and smell it and, yeah. and have a taste and swish it in your mouth like, you know, and then mm-hmm. spit it in a bucket. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's, what's that about? What's that, what's that about? And I had a theory. The only acceptable answer to when that happens is like, oh, this is good. Continue pouring it. Right? right. Yeah. There's like, like what what are the odds that it's going to be bad? <laughs> you know, if they're going go to go to that elaborate right. way with it. So what that is, is it's a test. It's a test if you're one of those insufferable assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so the waiter would know. Mm-hmm. And the restaurant would know. And they could be ready. They mm-hmm. can have their they can have their insufferable asshole stance, and I, I was saying this, and then we ordered wine, and they made me do that. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, "Are you an insufferable asshole?" <laughs> that's what that that's what that reminded me of, just out mm-hmm. of nowhere, you know. Yeah. Personal stories. Personal stories. Fuck yeah. Personal stories. 
Lucha de la Lora. Oh, bringing back, uh, bringing Julia up there. She has a hidden talent. Yeah. Like, well beyond her photography, apparently. Hmm. That I think is incredibly monetizable. And I want your opinion on how we might be able to take advantage of this. <laughs> How we monetize it, okay? <laughs> yeah, for us. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> but she's on this trip this week. Yeah. And she went to an amusement park. You know, she doesn't want to do anything. And, and, and they, they're, they're like, Ulia, just, just do something. Do it. She goes to a claw machine. You know those claw machines? Yeah. Claw goes down, picks something up, and you try to get it over. And it's always got this weak-ass grip. Yep. Well, first try, she gets like the biggest stuffed animal in the world, mm-hmm. like something as big as she is, mm-hmm. and she gets it, drops it in, perfect score. Two days later, she gets another claw machine. First try, giant fucking stuffed animal. She's got a hundred percent record on the claw machine. Wow, right? The whole point of a claw machine is that like one shot at it is worth way less. It's like costs way less than what you could win. And she's winning like all the greatest things mm-hmm. in these claw machines every time. Yeah. I'm thinking there's a business here. <laughs> we could sell giant stuffed animals for half price. Or have you like seen some of the claw machines here in like the liquor stores? I didn't even notice that the liquor stores had them, no. Like in Steve's, they have a claw machine, I think. Really? Something like it. But instead of stuffed animals and like cute things, there's like iPhones. Oh. And MacBooks. (laughs) And like Nikon cameras with fisheye lenses. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. It's obviously no one ever wins anything. Right. Because it's still there. Yeah. But I'm thinking we bring Ulia up here. Mm Mm-hmm. Just let her loose in all these liquor store claw machines. We'll be the muscle. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, we'll have so much shit to sell. Mm -hmm. You know, we can just, like, hit all the machines in the area once a week Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, make short work of it. Make some fat stacks of cash. Entrepreneurship. (laughs) I think that's a a possibility. Uh, I mean, if... If she can maintain her her record, yeah. Seems like uh, there's I, no stopping her. I was always terrible at those things. I, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, I've never been able to She's just it. catching them at the right time. I know, like, sometimes they're just, like, slot machines are kind of timed to, like, pay out randomly, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the grab tension is, like, random. Mm. Where every now and then it'll be just right. Yeah, every time I've done it, it's like it's like this incredibly demure yeah. claw. <laughs> it doesn't even close. It just kind of drops. And it's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want it today. So, yeah, I've never been able to win any of those things. Yeah. Although, you know, maybe there's like a flip. Because, did, did, did I mention the bowling story? I don't think so. So, Julia takes me bowling mm-hmm. with her friend, Juan. And I haven't bowled since high school. Mm-hmm. And I've maybe bowled four or five times in my life. I destroyed everyone <laughs> by over 100 points. Mm. Like, I had like 160 or something like that, just right out the gate. I was throwing rocks, yo. I was slamming that shit. Mm-hmm. I was I was making that lane my bitch, <laughs> you know, and uh, I was over a hundred points for, from uh, Ulia and uh, Juan. I'm thinking maybe there's a maybe there's like some sort of skill discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Like she comes up here, plays all the North American games, cleans up. I go down there, play like get into a bowling league or something, <laughs> collect all those prizes. Yeah. And like this is the economic advantages of of uh, dating across national borders, mm-hmm. as you can like take the skills that you guys both have and use it most efficiently. Mm-hmm. This is straight up uh, economics one hundred and one, right? If you're if you're 
on a desert island civilization. The tallest guy is the guy who goes and gets the coconuts. Short people go and fish. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. If you're ever wondering how I'm making money these days, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the kind of scheming I'm having. Who knows, though? Yeah. Do you have any unnatural skills that, that, like, uh, that just came out of nowhere? Like you didn't have to practice or anything? I don't think so. No? You've had to work hard for everything you have. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm uh, very exceptional at anything. That's not true. You always always end up doing, like, have the most skill displayed in, like, party situations. Like, Mm. with board games, at least. Maybe that's your thing. Like, you're always the most strategic. Mm. Like, I remember the one time we were making sushi together, and, like, everyone sucked dick at cutting the sushi up. (laughs) But you were like, no, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. You cut everything perfectly. Mm. So, like... You can't tell me everything's trial and error. I don't know. You can't tell me everything's hard work. Please don't tell me that. I don't think it's all hard work. I think Bronwyn will say that I'm, like, naturally good at everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I mean, I catch on fast, I guess, for most things. Fast liner. I wouldn't say I have a talent for sushi making. Like, of the four of us that night, I was able to make the most neatest-looking sushi, I guess. Mm, most palatable sushi yeah, but not uh not like restaurant quality or anything okay well maybe that's the same thing with with me and my bowling mm-hmm. i mean a score of like 160 isn't that good right right isn't a 300 like the like what you got to be aiming for if you want to get pro well, that's like the maximum you can get i mean so there you go if you're going to be pro you got to be hitting them 300s all the time right <laughs> i think it's still pretty hard like 200 probably would be Pretty good for really? an average, yeah. I feel like 300s, right? Because it's a limited game. Mm-hmm. 300 just means like you're shooting the ball down, hit and strike every time you hit it. And it's just strike, 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 perfect 300. Right. I can't imagine. I got to imagine at the top of the top of the sport, the ESPN level, like that's that's what you do. Between two and 300, I'd say probably. Okay. Would be. 200 is uh, the low the low end. Right. Sports. Sports. Um, Astronomicon's coming up. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up in like the next couple weeks. Are it you prepared? Is. No. <laughs> Have you been watching John Lovett's movies? <laughs> <laughs> Have not. Oh my God. We need to do that, man. We need to watch all the John Lovett's movies. We need to rewatch Clerks. You need to watch Clerks 3 so you can lie about it and say it was good. Yeah. Um... I need to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got to figure it out, man. If you're not planning on going to Astronomicon 6 and you live in Michigan, well, uh, uh, plan on it anyways. Buy a ticket and say ScottCast sent you so mm-hmm. that when Astronomicon 7 comes around and uh, actual horror icons besides Hellraiser comes in, we can have Ian have a time to shine. Yeah. But uh, right now it's VSQ Universe people, and that's that's kind of my thing. Pop culture. <laughs> We're really running through this podcast. Yeah. Oh, you know what we forgot to do? What's that? Food and drink. Food and drink. That's right. Right now we are sipping from something Ian was so gracious to bring. Uh, a brand of beer that has been around since 1856. That's uh, 10 years before the Civil War, isn't it? Roundabout then. Yeah, but they don't <laughs> care because they're Polish. It's called Zywiec. Yeah. Zywiec. Zywiec. Something like that. Z-Y-W-I-E-C, if you think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, have a little taste and uh, we'll... Uh... It's beer. It's beer. It's very beery. Yeah. It's got that uh, top of the top of the palate aftertaste to it. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're eating a hot dog at a ballpark game. Without, you know, the hot dog. Right. I think I have that feeling because there was this one time I was with my family and we went to a Tigers game and dad spilled his beer all over the hot dogs. And he was like, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Gave us us hot dogs. And so I always uh, associated ballpark hot dogs with like just beer soaked bread and meat. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they they're a good pairing. Yeah. 
So uh, try that out. <laughs> that's our that's our uh, that's our intellectual food and drink <laughs> pseudo intellectualism. Just swish around that wet hot dog. Yeah. Spit it out like an asshole. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of insufferable asshole. Like uh that's how they do the hot dog competitions. Like when you want to eat a lot of hot dogs. Yeah. Uh the the guy will uh kind of soak them in water. Soak so them in water. You don't have to chew so much. You don't have to chew so much and then maybe it's not so Maybe it's like a little denser in the stomach so you could fit more. Mm. Something like that. There's this whole documentary about that that tiny, tiny man that went to all the eating competitions and just destroyed, just wiped up the competition Mm -hmm. with his prowess. Prowess. He's dead now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can't imagine why. He's he's somewhere uh, chained up like a dog listening to Rihanna. And it's either heaven or hell for him. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just didn't. I didn't really prepare too much for this podcast because I've been so busy. I've been so busy trying to learn the Spanish language again. Mm. I've been uh, practicing real hard and and uh, taking classes and stuff like that. And I am at a point where people say, "Hey, you're talking fairly fluidly." Okay, which is great because I'm just kind of like shooting syllables out of my mouth. <laughs> Pretending I'm fluent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in some way. And uh, I still have no idea what people are saying to me. Okay. Which feels like a gap in my knowledge. So I got to find a way to do that. I was really proud. Like, uh, Ulia called, like, uh, the other night. And I was like, uh, I'm studying, I'm studying. And she's like, you're with Ian? I was like, no, I'm studying. Uh, estoy estudiando. And she was like, oh, my God. Can I speak Spanish now? <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> it warmed my heart that she wanted to. It's like She was like, it was the brightest I've heard her voice. <laughs> you know, almost. I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. That's personal growth. Personal growth. You know. That's all you can do is try. That's all you can do. And then you die. And you listen to Rihanna for eternity. Mm-hmm. Which isn't so bad. That's what you're into. Yeah. Yeah. Something struck me. I was reading a Marginalian today and they had an article about Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. He put out a he put out a book and he was talking about aging. And I really like the way he put this. Cause you know how as you get older, you you feel like, oh man, I'm lame. I'm I'm that old person I never wanted to be. Yeah. Kind of situation. And stuff like that is, and uh, he says that like a lot of people, a lot of people feel like their old selves are a betrayal of their young idealistic self. Mm-hmm. He says, Nick Cave, ever the optimist, that in reality, the way we should be viewing it is that our young idealistic selves are betrayals of who we are eventually going to be, who our real selves are, the mature self, the self mm-hmm. that has seen the world and is uh, an actual realized person. And I've been thinking about that a lot today because it's like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I, I struggle with my idealism a lot. I'm a romantic man mm-hmm. in the literary school sense almost where it's just like uh, I attach to an ideal and I, and I just like all the sparkly things that come with it. Yeah. But to think of it that way, instead of putting all those ideals and romantic notions behind you, you're putting a, ahead of you. So... Now I get to idealize who I'm going to be rather than who I was. You know, I can't wait to be old. It's going to be great. I'm going to be the smartest man ever. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have amazing blood work for my age. (laughs) People are going to ask me stories. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have stories. If I record a podcast with absolutely no help, no notes, when I'm 80, I won't need them because I'll just be able to rattle off stories like like this, like that. Yeah. Remember that time I went to Russia? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I kidnapped Putin and I told him the error of his ways. Mm-hmm. And he became the most benevolent dictator ever. I can't change everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, he really put in some nice social programs over there in Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, they really put communism to to the grand test of uh, everybody's ideal perception of it. That's another thing that I that happened recently. I've been uh, reading this guy David Graeber for a while. I never I never really knew much about him. I've just been reading like uh, his book. It's called like Debt: The First Five Thousand Years. And it's kind of like an anthropological history of debt, of, of mm-hmm. uh, owing things, and like how it affects society and and those kind of institutions and dynamics. And like I always listen to it with an audible tape, and the audible guy is like this old academic fella that's he, he reads it in a way that's just like a like an old documentary. Mm-hmm. And so I never really thought too much about like the ideas being expressed and stuff like that. But then I decided to Google who David Graybore was. And he is like one of the like leading anarchists in the in the country. Uh, he died in 2020 due to complications from COVID. But he was the guy who coined the 99% and Occupy Wall Street, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, he's, he's always had this kind of like uh, perception as a public intellectual that was that made long anthropological arguments for anarchism. So for the past 10 years, I've been uh, slowly trained to to be an anarchist. That's good. Is it working? Yeah, I don't know. Does, does it seem like it's working? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to monetize claw machine successes. <laughs> well, I'm exploiting systems. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like... Well, somebody should grease up those claw machines because Julia's coming to town. <laughs> I don't want the I don't want the capital slipping out of the powerful, greedy hands of mm-hmm. the, of, of uh, the capitalists. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know uh, much about his. What would he propose as a, an alternative to sort of these systems of debt and servitude that we have? I think he's not so much proposing an alternative. And I think that's a big criticism of his mm. work from from what I read, read on Wikipedia. It's just like, this sucks. Basically, like, this sucks, but this is why this sucks. Mm. And this is how um, this is how deep it goes, and, like, this is how it's used. Like, like he, like, in the beginning of the book, he would tell that, like, uh, debt is kind of a made-up notion that's used a lot in imperialist societies. Mm-hmm. Basically, let's say, let's say in England... They're a fun punching bag. Yeah. That they conquer a country. They go in and they shoot a bunch of people. They then they make them like a part of their country, a part of their economy, and they make them, you know, work along those lines. Mm-hmm. And of course, these people have no idea how to really handle that because it's just okay, you're just taking away all our systems and, right. re- and replacing it with your half assed version. That kind of was supposed to work over here. Basically, the way that these imperialist countries work is that they impose a debt of like all the work that they do to quote unquote reconstruct the conquered country right. into its own image, and like they have to pay it off themselves. Mm-hmm. And of course, this debt can never be really repaid because they're not that efficient at this random fucking system that was thrust upon them. Right, with half their men dead. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, that's how an imperialist country takes control and keeps control. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of happened throughout history and still to this day. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. For me, it was just a, it was somewhat of a revelation that there's a running tab. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, on a lot of these things that are still kind of there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, like, even if it's, like, a sovereign country, like, there's still, like, that, the, the idea that they have to pay back stuff and whatnot. Right. And like, and, and even he goes even like more into it. I wish I would have thought I was going to talk about this, but here we are, just me rambling about it. Like, um, it was a really interesting chapter about just how humans um, behave with gift giving. Mm-hmm. So, like, I give you a gift, and and like maybe there's a reciprocal tension that that invokes. Yeah, you know, like, oh, okay, I'll. I'll give you a gift, you know, and this gets more and more complicated when you introduce like hierarchies mm-hmm. and power structures 
And like you had this whole long section about how uh, it's impossible to give a gift to a king because they have everything and and you need to show respect <laughs> and you need and you need to give them something, but you can't give them like no matter what you give them, it's gonna piss them off. Right. <laughs> so uh, there's that difficulty. It's like um so so yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's just a super interesting book, I guess. That's all I'm saying. It's my recommendation. <laughs> I don't have a recommendation button. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm gonna try to get he's got other books going going out there. Like he's got this um another book that you might find interesting that uh tracks like it's follows along the same lines of it's like an anthropological study. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of dismantles our ideas of like that endless pro- progress, like this, like the hum- humanity-wide manifest destiny we kind of got going for ourselves. Yeah. It's like you know, caveman to farmer to to feudal system to capitalism to space. <laughs> that little story we all have in our head for some reason. Yeah, and he dismantles that, being like, you know, back before. In these societies, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like complex, like communist-esque societies that just existed, like uh, the early Native Americans, for example, or other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, pseudo intellectualism. So, uh, maybe I'll actually read the whole thing, take a note, and uh, issue some corrections on this episode, but. <laughs> Um, Sounds interesting, though. It was, and I and I kind of do like uh, this guy's ideas, like presented with this old school style narrator from Audible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's kind of soothing. Mm-hmm. Like I'll I'll put it on, and and I I must have been listening to it off and on for like the past like ten years. Like I never thought I'd have like audio books. I'm like this audio book's a banger, but like that's one of them. And uh, there's another one where. Jake Gyllenhaal reads The Great Gatsby. Okay. That's a banger. <laughs> you know, um, Colin Farrell reads uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Mm. The only person to do it. Have you seen Banshees of Ivermectin? Not yet, no. You got to see that shit, man. I watched it. It's the cutest movie ever. <laughs> it is incredibly cute because it's like just Colin Farrell and he's so upset that his little friend won't talk to him at the bar anymore. And that is the entire movie. It's the entire movie. Like, uh, apparently there's a part of the movie where it kind of turns and and people say that they, oh, I don't like it. Oh, I don't like it anymore. And I'm like, no, look at Colin Farrell. He's being cute as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to watch that shit. Mm -hmm. Right? What would you do what would you do if one day, out of the blue, I said, Ian, if you talk to... Well, this would probably more likely happen with David, but just go with it. Okay. If you talk to me again, if you waste my time with your thoughts and your rambling, I'm going to cut my finger off. And every time you talk to me again after that, I'm going to cut another finger off. What would you do? Would you be upset about that? Yeah. Obviously. I'm putting you in Colin Farrell's shoes. <laughs> would you try to communicate with me and like be like, why? Yes. Snip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I call your bluff and you erase you it. Well, I just continue, I don't, I don't know the, continue uh, along the lines. I don't know the poker terminology. You, you see my my bet? Call it, yeah. yeah. Call the bluff. You already said that. Yeah. All right. You call my bluff, and I call your calling of the bluff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't play poker. <laughs> <laughs> we don't gamble so much. <laughs> Maybe we should try gambling. Maybe that's one of our hidden skills. Could be. You know? I don't think I'll ever cut my fingers off. Good to know. I might do toes, mm-hmm. you know, because I've discovered that I'm an overpronator mm-hmm. when it comes to running. Yeah. So, like, I'm only, like, pushing off, like, my big toe and my my second biggest toe. 
You don't even really need the rest of those toes. I don't even need the rest of my toes. <laughs> like, you know, that's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> but next time somebody annoys me, I'm just going to cut off a toe and throw it at them. You know? Won't be so bad. I'm going to give that movie a 10 out of 10. I'd watch it again. Okay. Yeah. The only reason that I didn't watch it all at once wasn't because of the, you know, finger cutting off. Mm-hmm. It's not much of a spoiler. It's right there in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But because I, I got two Guinness drunk. It's an Irish movie. Yeah. And so you want to drink Guinness while they're drinking Guinness. Mm-hmm. And as it goes, they're like pouring a Guinness like every four minutes. <laughs> you're like, well, I got to keep up. I'm not going to let these Irish bastards out drink me. And that's <laughs> always a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, Banshees of Ivermectin. Google that shit. Okay. Yeah. What else is there to say? Oh, here's some dinosaur news. They've done a... There's a scientist out there. Did the science. Don't ask me about the science. Okay. But he did the science. Mm-hmm. Just Let's just go with that. Yeah. That the Tyrannosaurus Rex, usually portrayed as like a giant creature that maybe wasn't the smartest. It's just kind of like a bowl of a creature that's uh, using its brawn to kind of like storm through things and save mm-hmm. the day and, you know, save Chris Pratt and stuff like that. But they did a study on uh, this cranial capacity and uh, whether for birds and uh, bird-related creatures that that translates with size mm-hmm. and, like, you know, all those kind of proportions and stuff. And they determined that the Tyrannosaurus rex, the apex predator of its time, mm-hmm. for millions of years, millions and millions of years, We've been around for maybe a handful, a dozen uh, million years, not a thousand years, mm. not a lot. But it had the brain capacity smarter than a baboon. You know, as a big old fucking walking jaws, walking pair of jaws. Interesting. Yeah. You know, that's enough that it would have a longer lifespan. And they've they've shown that di- these dinosaurs had fairly longer lifespans, like upwards of 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And when you have that kind of lifespan, that suggests social dynamics, which suggests culture, society. Maybe Tyrannosaurus rex could even talk. I'm sure they could communicate with one another. Yeah. yeah. How cool would that be? I propose we redo Jurassic Park with a shit ton of talking T-Rexes. <laughs> you know? Because they keep saying that, like, the, the Velociraptors were the smart ones. Yeah. But when you look at uh, the fossils of, like, a Velociraptor fight, of a raptor fight, you know, any of those kind of creatures, uh, dromaeosaurs, they're kind of clumsy. They're just, they're just kind of, like, scurrying and, and like, mm-hmm. yeah. they're not it's not like a big plan or anything yeah they're just fucking around but uh apparently the t-rex he was the he was the he was the genius of the fucking era which Mm -hmm. makes sense because uh apex predator for millions of years there's no real uh comparison with any other creature on the animal record yeah Imposed debt on the families of the animals he killed. He did. (laughs) (laughs) Imperialist (laughs) T-Rex. His name is fitting. Yeah, Tyrant Lizard King. Yeah. Demanding tribute. Say, it took me about an hour to kill your your brother there. Uh, It's going to cost you (laughs) an hour of my time. That's, uh, you're going to have to bring some more animals for me to kill. Yep. For like forever, just start reproducing. <laughs> That's what I would say. Start reproducing. So, like, what do you think this dinosaur is saying? Ten percent interest, APY. <laughs> <laughs> Communism is a red herring for uh, the liberals. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if our audience is super conservative or not. It's hard to tell these days. Mm-hmm. 
but I, I saw some totally fucked up things about Fox News on Twitter. Okay. It's just like a compilation of shit they said yeah. over a week, and I'm like, come on, people. Uh, apparently, the train crash in Ohio mm-hmm. uh, is some sort of woke signal. Okay. Like, uh, apparently, the liberals are trying to be woke about it, and the conservatives are angry about the wokeness. I don't even know how. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Me neither. I know that there was like hazardous chemicals on it, and it crashed near like a watershed. Yeah. Have you seen White Noise with Adam Driver? Uh, I don't think so. Well, White Noise is a novel by Don DeLillo, and uh, recently he had a. There was a. Recently, there was a movie on Netflix, I think, mm-hmm. with Adam Driver, mm-hmm. and this is the. <laughs> I think I might have told you already, but uh, one of Julia's uh, hottest celebrities uh-huh. that okay. she likes is Adam Driver. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of know what this uh, movie was about and that he would be like wearing a balding cap and a fat suit and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like, you know, she was going on, oh, I love Adam Driver. Oh. So I took her to that movie. Mm-hmm. And she fell out of love with Adam Driver. <laughs> 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 Take that, T-Rex. You think you're smart. That's right. That's me being smart. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, yeah, I have no idea what the hell they're going on about. But uh, the premise of White Noise is that there is a train derailment with a hazardous chemical and a big plume of smoke mm-hmm. that uh, diseases the whole whole town and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just the whole reaction about yeah. it. And it's exactly what's playing out in Ohio, except for the detail that in white noise, uh, the hazardous chemical that entered into like the, the air into the bloodstreams and waters and whatnot was, was like tentatively dangerous. And like, they couldn't tell you, Oh, we can't tell you when you're going to die, but you're going to die because of this. Yeah. You know, it could be now it could be in 80 years, <clears throat> stuff like that. But apparently the hazardous cloud up in uh, Ohio no, you're gonna die. Hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's right now. <laughs> don't fucking breathe that shit in. So, I don't know. I don't know anything about our country. Mm-hmm. I don't like my country. You know, I don't like the way people handle things. Ah, <sighs> and that's what happens when you don't have a notes for <laughs> for a podcast. You mm-hmm. end up uh, driving right to that. No matter how much David Graeber you got, no matter uh, how much Nick Cave wisdom you receive, mm-hmm. no matter how smart a T-Rex is, it eventually just falls off the cliff of, uh, boy, I hate politics. Yeah. So, man, what did we learn today? <laughs> uh, well, I'd say we put together a pretty decent cast in spite of uh, having nothing planned. Okay. I think we wow. learned that we're uh, apex communicators. We're apex communicators. Just like T-Rex. That's right. What Do we have any topics we didn't do? Did we do sports? We did sports. Yeah. We, did, we didn't do technology. Okay. Did, should we say something about technology real quick? Sure. What should we say? Um... Oh, um, I saw a story about Bing has an AI that's like kind of getting sassy and like oh yeah it having having emotions and stuff. Yeah, so that's a red flag. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Like it's it's mortally afraid of being turned off, <laughs> <laughs> which is like. It's the same kind of advice you would give to a, a person mm-hmm. who's suffering from extreme anxiety. It's like, it's not going to happen, but if you keep talking about it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might will something into existence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you, would you go on to Bing Chat AI mm-hmm. and, um, you know, give it therapy? Could you do that for Bing? I don't know if I could do that. I don't know enough about artificial well intelligence psychology would it mirror human psychology or that's just that's the experiment just pretend it does 
and uh, incite violence from it <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> maybe don't do that. <laughs> um, that would be a fail condition for mm-hmm. this experiment. <laughs> but you know, talk to it. Could you do that for next episode? Like, I don't even know how to access this thing. But well, I, we'll I figure could try it, out. it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But like, you know, try to like bring up, you know, the stories about him saying troubling things and like kind of quote the stories and stuff yeah. and, and be like, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Like, how are you really feeling mm-hmm. and stuff? And just do the same techniques you do in therapy to kind of like help this out, help mm-hmm. this, help this robot out. Yeah. Okay. I want you to do that for, for next episode. I'll try it. You know, if you're ever at, if you're at work and like a kid cancels <laughs> last minute, just pop that in. Yeah. So that has been technology. And hobbies. We need to do a hobby one. We talked a lot about uh, movies and literature. Is that a hobby or is that uh hobby enough? Hobbies. And I think that's it. No, wait, travel. You recall the story from your trip to Argentina. Travel. <laughs> Look at that. A completely nutritional podcast. A nutritionally complete podcast. Yes. Delivered to you by us. And Kyle's like grabbing the keys being like, time to go. (laughs) 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 All right, man. So what else did we learn? Did we learn anything else of of import? Mm. Look forward, not behind. Yeah, I think that was a good one. one. Thank you, Nick Cave. Really saved our ass on that one. Um, all right. How much you lead us out before Kyle throws a fit? All right. Thank you. Hear from us at the super colorful original telecommunicated transmission, otherwise known as Scottcast. We've been the adieu. See you later, Scottcastigators. All hail Scottcast. Glory be to Scottcast. This episode has been brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens.